Hey, 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 podcast. Welcome to episode 116 here on the Yours Truly podcast. I am your host. My name is Claire Tuning. I am a non-diet registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, lover of all things food humor and peanut butter and jelly. If you're wondering, crunchy peanut butter is the only way to go on a PB&J if you ask me. I just don't understand smooth peanut butter. Why would you want it to not be crunchy? It adds like an additional layer of satisfaction, at least in my opinion, on your PB&J. But I digress. This episode is not just about my peanut butter and jelly preferences. It is actually the episode that is airing the day before Thanksgiving here in the United States. I know Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving at a very different time of the year, I have learned. So uh, we're talking about the day before Thanksgiving here in the United States. So I couldn't be more excited to introduce today's guest to all of you. I specifically saved and planned this episode to air on the day before Thanksgiving because we are talking about meditation, gratitude, the art of savoring, what that is, and how all of those concepts can really help us in our relationships with ourselves, also in our relationships with food, especially as we head into some food scenarios around the holidays that might be a little bit different from our day to day uh, based on the foods we're eating, the people we are surrounded by, etc. So before I get too far into giving away today's episode and introducing today's guests, I do want to pause for a moment and acknowledge that this holiday season as a whole, no matter what holidays you do or don't celebrate, I think it's fair to say that this year is going to look a lot a bit different from how previous years and holiday tradition traditions have looked because of everything COVID-19. So before we get into the holiday season here on the podcast and we have some holiday theme conversations, I just want to say I am wishing you a safe and a healthy holiday season, whatever that is going to look like for you and your family. I know there are just a lot of conversations happening now amongst family members. How are we gonna navigate it this year? How are we gonna make sure everyone is safe and we stay as healthy as possible, not only for our own sake, but also for the sake of all of our fellow humans around us. So no matter where you are, no matter how you are choosing or are choosing not to celebrate, I hope we can all stay, again, as safe and as healthy as possible. And hey, I don't know, maybe we can create a a Thanksgiving first of enjoying some turkey and some stuffing on a Zoom call. I I know, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever done that, but I can say with absolute certainty, I have never done that. (laughs) So we'll see if maybe that uh, turns into a first this year. But uh, again, before I answer, or not answer, introduce, there we go, today's guest and tell you more about what we will be covering in our conversation, I did want to provide one final reminder about our Attitude of Gratitude giveaway here on the Yours Truly podcast. So if you are listening to this episode, episode 116 here in real time, this is the final episode that is going to air within the month of November 2020 here on the podcast. And if you have tuned in to any of our other episodes throughout the month of November, you know that I have been hosting what I've been calling our Attitude of Gratitude giveaway to simply express my gratitude and my thanks to you for spending any amount of time at all here with me on the podcast, helping to show the show some love That was a lot of shows in one sentence, but show the show some love and helping us to grow the message that we share here. So as that thank you and as that attitude of gratitude from me to you, I'm raffling off to the winner of this giveaway a free spot, a free opportunity for enrollment in my intuitive eating discovery course. This is a course that I came out with earlier this year that I created for individuals who are so tired of dieting, but you maybe don't know what to do next, or maybe you've heard of intuitive eating, but you have no idea 
A, maybe even what it is, or let alone how to get started in making some changes in your relationship with food that are actually going to be helpful and sustainable in the long run, not only for your physical health, but your mental health as well. So if that sounds interesting to you, the course itself contains eight audio coaching modules with real life tools and strategies that you can implement as soon as you listen to the course. No fluff, no you know hours and hours of stuff that you're just gonna get lost in and have pages of notes. It is very actionable. It is very to the point. There are PDF guides and worksheets following each coaching module to help you focus in on key points and set goals for yourself to keep the ball moving forward. There is also lifetime access that you will get to our course exclusive Facebook community where we come together, we support each other. I do live Q&A videos every week so you can get your questions answered. And there's a ton of bonus content on mindful eating and a guest body image coaching session with my friend Brianna Campos. You may know her as Body Image with Brie. There's an additional resources guide. There are some motivational phone wallpapers to keep your goals, your intentions with this journey front and center every time you pick up your phone. So if you're interested in potentially having the opportunity to claim your free spot at enrollment, all you have to do is tap those five stars here. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and leave a review of our show, letting us know what you enjoy, what you're learning, anything that you have to say about the show will be greatly appreciated because that is what helps us to grow and share this message with more individuals. Now, if you're someone who is not listening on Apple Podcasts, I know there are a number of you out there who listen on Spotify or SoundCloud. So if that is you, you can have the opportunity to enter by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it somewhere on social media. It could be a story, it could be a feed post on Instagram, but wherever you post to write your review there on social, be sure you tag me at Claire Tuning so I can see it and my team and I can ensure that you are entered for a chance to win this giveaway. I will be announcing the winner to our giveaway one week from today. So on next week's episode on Wednesday, December 2nd, I will be announcing the winner of our giveaway here on the podcast. So be sure to come back next week and see if you have won. But this episode that I have with today's guest is a little bit lengthier than usual. She had so many wonderful tips and tricks to offer and we did not want to cut our conversation short. So because of that, I will be skipping over today's Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week so we can have time to listen to this interview in full and you'll still have time to put the the turkey in the roaster and have it done by Thanksgiving lunch or dinner tomorrow. So a little bit about my guest here. I already shared with you that we will be talking about three important topics. We're going to be talking about meditation, the practice of gratitude, and also the practice of savoring. And my guest, her name is Ashley Holly. I've had the pleasure of knowing Ashley personally for a couple of years now as a great friend and a colleague. And I'm going to read a little bit from her bio here that she provided me so you can get to know her and then we're going to turn the mic over to our conversation. So I'm Ashley Holly, registered dietitian and mindfulness Jedi, and I should still be pretending to eat only and all the good foods while hiding in the bathroom, eating all the quote bad foods because I had to be perfect to be healthy and lovable, right? This mindset destroyed both my mental depression and anxiety and physical health constipation and root canals while trying to follow all the food rules. I knew something had to change, but it wasn't me that needed fixing. I wasn't broken. Healing from dieting centered around the diet messaging of perfection and failure, food fear, and the one-size-fits-all diet mentality. After destroying my mental health, depression and anxiety anyone, and physical health, constipation and root canals, woohoo, while following a quote, really healthy diet, I knew something had to change. So I broke all the food and the diet rules. 
I'm here now listening to my body, following the lead of my appetite, no longer binging in the bathroom and eating my favorite foods without guilt, shame and blame while achieving my health and happiness goals. No food logging, no food rules, no weighing and measuring, just me and my body and some belly laughs. It isn't a miracle, it isn't impossible, it isn't even that special. It's the understanding and the application of the science of how our brain works and the science of what truly brings us happiness squished together in the best life sandwich you've ever tasted. Cheers to cheeseburgers, my friend. So that is a little bit about Ashley, as you will hear and find out very quickly in our interview. She is such a pleasure and a delight to talk with. She has so much energy and so much knowledge. I typically ask our guests for like one to two actionable tips at the end of every episode, but as you will soon find out in this interview when Ashley and I break down mindfulness and meditation and gratitude and savoring, she offers like three to four tips within each one of those categories. So there is no lack of value in this episode, and I really hope that you will enjoy our conversation here today. So without further ado, in the spirit of gratitude and all things Thanksgiving, here's my conversation with Ashley Holly. Enjoy. Ashley Holly, welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. How are you on this Thursday? Oh, I'm so good, Claire. So good. Thank you for asking. Of course. I'm happy to have you here. Uh, you and I go, dare I say, maybe I shouldn't say way back, but we've known <laughs> each other for a while. We've actually been um, hotel roomies at one point in our dietitian career. So we were allowed to hang out with each other. <laughs> when we, when, yes. Disclaimer for anyone <laughs> that was pre-COVID world when we were allowed to be hanging out, but um, you are no stranger to me on the other side of the camera. But before we tell everyone else who you are, um, we're going to play our little game called This or That. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First one, do you prefer a rainy day or a sunny day? Rainy. If I could be a plant, it would be like a mostly shade perennial. That's very specific. You've thought about this. <laughs> I have. I have. Had to add that in. <laughs> Second question. Um, when it comes to coffee, just, you know, the fun drinks in general, do you prefer Starbucks, like the chain, or do you prefer a local coffee shop that you seek out and is maybe a little bit different every time? Oh, that's a really hard one because in my town, we don't have a lot of local options that have really good coffee. So I generally seek out Starbucks at that point. But if I'm in a bigger city, then 100% I'm looking for the local chain. That's okay. like doing yeah. <laughs> Depends on where you are. I'm having a, a flashback. I think this was maybe a conversation that you and I had at one point where you said, since Starbucks is one of like the only coffee places near where you live, doesn't the local Starbucks, aren't they familiar with you? Don't they know of you? Am I imagining this conversation? Or no, was... no, for real. The manager at my Starbucks and I like had babies around the same time and we totally have bonded through maternity leave. The same, the first day I had to send my son to school, her and I held hands and cried through the drive through window. Like <laughs> you, you, you know, you know, you, you just become a fan forever with a, like a customer service experience like that. <laughs> You have a friend and that barista, I have to say, <laughs> manager, I don't remember what you, you, uh, what you said their title was, but that's awesome. Uh, next one, baths or showers? Oh, if I have the time, 100% a bath. 100%. But maybe on a more normal basis, maybe it just depends on your time constraint. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or if my kids are in the bathtub, then I'm taking a shower for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next one, uh, when it comes to flavors and flavor profiles of food, do you prefer sweet or savory? Oh, I'm a sweetie. I'm a hundred percent a sweetie. Your personality is too. <laughs> I have to say, I, I love sweets and all things tasty on the sweet side of things. But if I had to pick one, I think I would be team savory. I'm like, give me the crackers the ooh, salt and vinegar chips, love them. Anything like crunchy and salty is my MO for sure. Uh, yeah, there's like a 
gene that actually has uh, that can actually predict if you're a sweetie or a salty. That's I what I call. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can actually see it in in your genome if you um, ran it. You know, if you did like a twenty three andMe and ran it through a third party, you get you get that information. I mean, most people know it already, right? right it's your right. preference, but it's actually built into your genome. And I. I can imagine. I don't, know, I don't know if you know the answer to this question. I'm guessing you maybe do since you brought it up, but is that an inherited, like something that is passed down generation to generation? I have no idea. That I actually don't know. I do not know like enough about genealogy okay. uh, as a field to know like inheritance and how that works. All right, maybe we'll um, send all of our listeners to do some research for us and report back. That's really interesting that you bring that up because now that you kind of plant the seed of maybe certain taste preferences being genetic or at least part of that being genetically linked, when I look at my family, specifically my parents, since I know them the most closely, my dad's taste preferences very closely mirror my own. He's very like the salty fan. He loves anything vinegar, anything spicy. And that is like a hundred percent me. Whereas my mom, she's definitely more, as you would say, um, a sweetie. She loves the, the sweet flavors a little bit more. So hmm, you've, you've, you have piqued my interest. I'm going to have to do more research there. <laughs> my brother and I are both exactly the same. So like we, we actually have the same like genetic piece because we've both we've both uh nerded out over our genome um when third-party testing kind of became more mainstream in the last couple of years but yeah so we're both we're both sweeties and it makes sense because he is a hundred percent like licorice starburst whatever candy he can get himself on, on like chocolate or like <laughs> lemon cake whipped cream like give me all the things <laughs> okay well while we're on the topic of taste and taste preference. I promise I did not know this question was going to fit so perfectly, but I have a one final this or that question and it's food focused. It might be a controversial one. I feel like you either love these or you hate them, but are you a pickle person or a no pickle person? Like, you know, if you're ordering a sandwich and they say pickle yeah. or no pickle. Pickles. Pickles. Pickle. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Double you're a- on hamburgers, pickles. Yes. The reason why I thought of that question is because I put pickles on my sandwich today at lunch. <laughs> I was like, hmm, what this or that question am I going to ask Ashley? And I was like, pickles. <laughs> Good pickles. One. Perfect. Perfect. Well, now that we've um, had a little bit of laugh, a little bit of fun going through our this or that section, of course, our audience knows you and even I know you a little bit more than I did five, 10 minutes ago. But for anyone who doesn't know you as well as I do, would you mind sharing just a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Ashley Holly, and I'm a registered dietitian. Um, I've been a registered dietitian for over 10 years, which is crazy to say out loud. And I'm also a big part of who I am is uh, more than more recently is a mom of two small boys, currently ages three and four. And so they're kind of my life right now. Um, and after kind of trying to find a balance between being a mom, and being present in their life, I decided to open my own business, which started off as coaching. And now uh, very soon I'll be launching a course that is designed to help women heal from dieting and stopping the binge and restriction cycle. Um, of course, without food rules or food logging and, or ever giving up their favorite foods. We, uh, we have a few similarities there. I can't match you on the kid part <laughs> or on the 10 years of being an RD. I'm not quite there yet, but uh, we definitely can match up on the, the course part, kind of seeing eye to eye on the healing from dieting, healing from the binge restrict cycle. So maybe our listeners are taking away like, oh, no wonder why they get along. <laughs> why they're- <laughs> yeah. Now that you don't like avocados and I do, which makes us great sandwich shares when there isn't a global <laughs> pandemic going on, right? <laughs> very important note there. We both like pickles, we have discovered, but very different opinions on avocados. I would gladly share a sandwich with you in the future when it is safe for us to do yeah. so again. Um, but like different things and still be friends. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Main first lesson from our episode is we can have different opinions and still be friends and still be <laughs> 
supportive of one another. Great lesson, great take home. Um, But when you and I were kind of going back and forth and brainstorming ideas for this episode, for this conversation, um, you offered up a topic that really piqued my interest. You texted this to me and I was like, Yes, that <laughs> talk about that. But you kind of brought up the idea of breaking down a few positive psychology tips to help us increase our overall happiness, our overall health. So before we even kind of break down some of these tips that you wanted to share, I'm kind of curious what has you interested in talking about something like this? Like what's the the why behind you uh, introducing a topic like that? Yes, I'm so excited that you asked. There are like layers and layers to this being my passion. The the big one was uh, when I was first a dietitian, when I was a baby dietitian, um, and I had my first job, I was working at an integrative cancer center where we actually recommended a very specific diet. And I followed that diet. And what happened over the course of time so very slowly was um, I actually drained my tonic dopamine status, meaning what that means is I became very depressed and anxious. And I didn't realize it was such a problem and how related it was to my dieting choices um, and my food restriction until I found myself literally like eight months pregnant, um, crying on the bathroom floor, secretly eating a Reuben sandwich so my husband wouldn't know about it. It was such a turning point for me where I looked around and said like this, like something is wrong here. Now I didn't get full clarity at that point. And um, I had to go through the very incredible lesson of severe postpartum depression and anxiety with uh, my first son. And then my second son came along very quickly after my first. And so um, the actual, the mental health actually continued to decline. And that's when um, I looked at the, the rules and the assumptions and the black and white, the food policing that I was doing on myself and how it was impacting my relationships. And I said, this, this isn't okay. Something has to change. And um, so my experience with such severe anxiety and depression has made me value happiness and mental health. Um, and I work on that with my clients very, very much. And part of that was actually part of seeing, a part of making the connection with how diet dieting was impacting my mental health was actually to bring this a little full circle was actually seeing some of my genetic markers and realizing that I wasn't meant to be following the diet I was meant to be and I needed to be listening to my body that was really the cue that I was missing who knew that my this or that question that brought up the the genetic piece would really do <laughs> this full circle? It's funny how things work out we did not but it's you know fascinating but I think that's so interesting. And thank you for sharing a little bit of your story kind of with your own lived experience there. But I think it's so interesting how you bring up this idea of dieting. And I think the definition of diet that you're referring to in this context is like a restrictive, rule-filled type of eating, right? Um, But I think it's very interesting that you bring up your dieting history and then mental health as well. Because something that I see happening in social media, a lot of the clients who come to me is they say, I've been following this diet, this program, this protocol, and it was sold to me maybe a couple months ago or even a number of years or a couple of decades ago as something to make me quote unquote healthy or a better version of me. But ironically, maybe they uncover through any length of time. I think for some people, it only takes a couple of weeks for them to realize. For some people, it takes months, years, decades. Again, everyone's timeline is different, but they find this thing that was meant to make them quote unquote healthy is actually coming at the expense of not only their physical health, but also their mental health in the long run. So I think it's very interesting that you kind of touch on that tie between eating or what we're not eating or the level of restriction and mental health. So with that, any other thought comment that you wanted to add there before I kind of jump into some of the the tips and topics that you wanted to offer? 
Well, I'm also, um, I'm also a trained meditation teacher and that happened in the midst of, of like my slow mental health decline that I, I chose to become because I was, I, I knew I was like searching for something and that I was struggling with happiness, but I didn't understand that that was a likely um, a clinical definition of depression at that time. I didn't know. So I started to search for like yoga and meditation and became a yoga and meditation teacher. And so I am also really passionate about incorporating those aspects with listening to our bodies um, and getting the feedback and giving ourselves permission to consume whatever food feels right to us. Because in, in a huge way, that was what I needed to unlock um, or to severely, to reduce my own symptoms of depression and anxiety. And I'm, I'm really happy that you brought up the meditation piece. This is a, you have set me up with a perfect segue <laughs> into kind of what we were chatting about prior to hitting record and how we were kind of hoping or planning for this conversation to go. So you kind of brought to the table three tips or kind of three categories that you thought it might be beneficial for us to dive into. And I think it's perfect timing as well as I shared with you before we hit record that I am going to release this conversation right before Thanksgiving. So for anyone who's listening in real time, hopefully these tips will be helpful not only for the next couple of days, but also also a lifetime to come. But circling back to meditation. So before I get ahead of myself, if it's okay with you, I'm thinking that we can kind of present these three topics to our listeners. And maybe when we present them, you can share, first of all, what the heck that is, <laughs> what we mean by that, um, maybe the importance of it, and then maybe a tip or two on how to get started if someone is kind of unfamiliar with what you're talking about. Does that sound like yeah. a plan? Yes. Yeah. You're going to have to like reel me in because I can do probably a 90-minute podcast alone on meditation um, with all of that because it's, it, because it's like if there, if there was a magic pill, right? If there was truly a magic pill that would make you happy and um, restore your quality of life and was easy and was free, it would be meditation. So I, I'm just such a huge advocate of empowering other people to take the time and reconnect with their bodies through mindfulness practice, uh -huh. because it is just so available to us and so effective, and there is so much literature behind it. So I'll have to, I'll have to, you know, just pick and choose what I share with you here. Um, but if I can um, help even one person today sit down and feel confident in meditation and that they're doing it in a way that is effective, uh, then I feel like I've done my job. Yeah. And I'm really hopeful too. Again, this is me knowing you and your background and you shared that you're trained in meditation and kind of teaching and coaching this. I think something that I hear very often from a lot of people is like, Ooh, that seems a little scary. Or I don't have an hour to sit and stare at the wall, right? I, and again, this was me at one point, right? Before I, you know, took a yoga teacher training myself and I learned a little bit more. But I think so often we hear that M word of meditation and we're like, ooh, I don't know about that. So maybe we can yeah. start there and you can tell us again what it is, you know, why it's important. Maybe you give us you pick and choose your most important points and then maybe a, a way to make it less intimidating or most yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, so meditation is essentially just practiced concentration. It's literally that simple. So what it can be, anything that you want it to be. I, I, I was taught um, and teach using a mantra. And mantra, if we break down that word uh, from a Sanskrit perspective, ma is, means mind and tra means travel, vehicle, or tool. Um, so it's just a tool for the mind to focus. And that's important because whenever we're not focused, our brain goes into something called um, the default mode or mind wandering. And mind wandering, why that's important, because that gives birth to our anxiety and our stress. <laughs> so, I'm nodding my uh, head, oh, mind wandering. I've done that a few times. <laughs> like, yes, and it is. <laughs> yes. So it's like the, it's the lowest energy needs of our 
brain. So anytime we're not focused on something or deeply engaged in something, we just default right into mind wandering. And mind wandering is kind of like, if you can imagine like little spider legs, like going outside of ourselves, looking into the future and identifying problems. So if you've ever been like driving in the car and you're a seasoned driver, you've been doing it for a really long time. And then you get some, you get to your destination. You're like, I don't even know how I, how I got here. You were in mind wandering, right? Uh-huh. That's a hopefully that's a familiar example. And very I'm familiar. Happy. I've done it many a times. I'm like, who drove me here? Oh yes, that was me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm here. How did I get here? Right. And now if we're listening to if we're listening to a podcast on that same trip, we're focused on that podcast and we're not going through, you know, what if X, Y, and Z happens, or what if I don't, I'm not successful in what I want to do, or what about that really hard conversation, or what if that person doesn't like that thing I said, or what if someone's mad at me for setting a boundary, right? That's what we go into if our our brains aren't totally focused um, and engaged in something. And so the beautiful thing about mind about meditation is that it can help us curb mind wandering and it can raise our awareness because we're practicing focus and concentration, but it can also help us to be able to see when we're in mind wandering so we can come back out. And that is basically what we're doing in meditation. So I'll back up a little bit because I get really excited about this and trying to squeeze a lot of my passion into a tiny amount of time. But essentially what we do in a mantra-based meditation or any other time that we're practicing focus, so you could literally stare at a candle or a flame, and every time you notice that you're not looking or thinking about the candle, aka you went into mind-wandering, you come back to that. Really important disclaimer, you guys, right now, you need to listen to this. Hear, Hear me when I say the goal of meditation is not, it is absolutely not, to have no thoughts. That is never the goal. That is rarely the, very rarely the outcome. Rather, the benefit, the beauty, and the quote unquote success of meditation, although we're not gonna judge our meditations, but some little air quotes uh, or verbal quotes around this, the word success, is every time you notice that you've gone into mind wandering, or that your mind has wandered from, wandered from whatever. I mean, it could literally be petting an animal or um, staring at a candle or saying a mantra like so hum in your mind um, or a mantra that you find empowering in your mind. That is all meditation or rather meditation is noticing that you've left it and choosing to come back. That's when you get the benefit of meditation. Which is, <laughs> should I go into benefits of meditation? Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm so enthralled. I'm like, yeah, keep going. Awesome. So the benefits of meditation is that it can absolutely increase mood. And when we're happier, we're more aligned, right? With whatever it is our goals are, and we're more likely to continue to create actions that help us to further align with our goals. Um, so it increases our mood and it can do so in just a matter of a couple of weeks. It's phenomenal. We have tons of um, data and neuroscience to support that, which I love. It also decreases our stress. Like who couldn't use that around the holidays? Mm -hmm. Tell me one person who's like flying through the holidays like a happy person, authentically, authentically, um, especially during a global pandemic, right? And it can boost our gray matter, which means we have more access to our brain, which is really, really cool. But my favorite part about it and how I use it with my clients is it helps us move from food policing, the yes, no, good, bad, and buying into the stories and um, the gaslighting of diet culture. It helps us move from that into the curious detective. Oh, I see what's going on because I have this awareness and what that allow, what that means for me when I say that is it allows us to step out of an emotional experience and see things and like detach from judgment and see how things are playing out. Because if you think about how I define meditation, we're being able to identify when am I focused and when I'm aligned and when am I not like focused and aligned, right? That's simply the practice by just focusing on that candle or petting your dog, that sensory experience or a mantra in your mind. 
Yeah. And I love too, like the practice of just noticing what yeah. you're thinking about when your mind is wandering. And I, I really appreciate that you connected it back to food and food policing. I mean, something that I know that you talk about with your clients and I talk about with my clients as well. And we really focus in on, on this podcast is how are we talking about food? Are we talking about food in a way that is helpful and supportive to our physical and mental health? Or are we talking about food from a dieting context that really feeds into that food policing narrative that's not going to be helpful for our transition out of the dieting cycle. So I really, again, appreciate and value that you took this idea of meditation and you applied it like, here's how it can be helpful in your intuitive eating recovery journey, you know, recovering from dieting because it can help you and it can, you know, train you in noticing the voice of the food police when it comes up and then actively choosing, maybe in some moments, you don't have to in all moments, but when you feel up for it, actively choosing to maybe come into this other narrative that is more neutral. It has more emotional neutrality towards food. I think that's a really cool way that you connected it to food. I didn't see that coming, (laughs) but you (laughs) threw it in there and I'm so glad that you did. Um, So final kind of question that I have for you on meditation before we hop to our next topic for anyone again, that maybe resonates with what I was saying earlier. It's like, when I hear that word, I go into shutdown mode. It's like, no way that is so woo woo. I cannot focus. Maybe they're saying all these things. What would maybe be a helpful tip or maybe a way for them to just try this out and get started in a way that doesn't feel so scary and feels more accessible to someone who's never tried it before? Yeah. So I recommend um, starting with very small expectations. Uh, I think when we think about meditation and how we see it portrayed, um, like on social media or on TV, it's people you know, engaging in this practice for hours. And then we assume, well, I have to be there to get any benefit. The truth is, if you just start with two to five minutes a day and you come at it again, more as a curious detective versus, you know, policing yourself or thinking what's good and what's bad, but rather how can I just engage in this behavior and practice concentrating and focusing in this controlled sense So then in the other 23 hours and 55 minutes of my day, I may be more aware of what I'm focusing on and where my attention is and how that's supporting my mental and physical health and my overall goals. So I recommend starting with like two to five minutes. And this is something I harp on um, in a real big way. You need to be comfortable. You need to be comfortable. Like, please don't go pretzel legs sitting up on like a wooden chair that you would secretly hate doing. Um, please make it comfortable. So uh, I was taught like, ideally, you should be sitting. And I tried sitting for a while and I'm like, screw this. I'm going to actually meditate if I'm laying down. So I started laying down and I feel so much better, you know, with my knees propped up on the couch, two to five minutes, simply practicing. And then what I would say is either use um, use a candle. A lot of people that I've worked with really love, they, they like light up at the idea of utilizing um, just a candle to stare at. And now that, you know, it's closer to the end of November and it's getting cold out, sometimes that can be a really attractive idea um, to, it's kind of aligns with the weather and the shorter days or the shorter daylight. So I would say start with that or simply use the mantra, so hum. Now, does it have a meaning? Yes, it does. Is your meditation going to be a little more focused if you don't know the meaning? Absolutely. You'll get, you'll find that it's easier to stay on the meditation if it doesn't have a meaning. So it'll be up to you if you end up looking it up or Googling it. But um, I would say don't just like use that as simply a vibration and repeat it in your mind. You could simply do that for two to five minutes. I love the free app Insight Timer, or you could just use the, those soft bells on your phone, you know, and, and use a regular timer. And I would say just start there. Otherwise, um, yeah. And so, and if you're more comfortable with your eyes open, some people do not feel comfortable closing their eyes, then what I would do is go with the candle or get into nature if that is an option for you. And you could literally do a walking meditation 
just notice your steps or notice the crunch of the leaves on the ground uh, if that's available to you. And when you notice you're not noticing that, just come back to it. And that is literally the practice of meditation, right? We don't call it a yoga perfect. We don't call it a meditation perfect. We call it a meditation practice, yoga practice, because the idea is we just keep engaging and then look to the other 23 hours and minutes of the day and plus minutes of the day um, to assess the effectiveness in our life. So you just practice coming back. And I think too, um, what's really coming up for me again, I'm always so like, how, like, how do we relate this back to eating, intuitive eating? And the fact that you keep saying the curious detective, right? The open mind, we're not doing this to be perfect. I mean, if any of my one-on-one clients are listening, they're like, Claire, shut up. You say that all the time. (laughs) But it is so important. It's like, you know, come back into the moment. Let's be curious about what I'm feeling. Try to have that sense of non-judgment. I think while those practices are important in our eating practice, they also seem to be really important for that meditation practice. So catch me after this recording with my candle sitting on my couch, (laughs) staring into it. My partner's going to be like, what the heck are you doing? I'm going to say, meditating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, that was so many knowledge nuggets just on meditation. I'm hoping our listeners I just add, like totally just add one more. Yeah. Okay, so when and when we move into that observational place, which is what meditation trains us for, right? It's really the perfect. Um, it's it's such a fantastic complement to any intuitive eating journey because we have to undo so many messages and stories that we are inundated with every day. So it's practice refocus on what it is, what it, uh, what is important to us. But it really, uh, what I love is it helps us to take, to move into, as I say, the, the curious, that, that open-mindedness place is where we get to take responsibility without the judgment and blame. And I feel like that alone can be so transformational when you're coming out of such a judgment and shame heavy um, relationship with your body and food. Yeah. I think that can be a really healing part of that unlearning and and relearning process coming from that non-judgmental curious space. So with that, I'm getting the sense that we could talk about this topic uh, for way longer than just one episode, and yet we're making it a part of one. So maybe this conversation is to be continued at a later time. But you know, now that this episode, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in our recording, is going to be airing right around Thanksgiving time, at least the time that we or a lot of people celebrate Thanksgiving here in the United States, Another of these positive psychology tips and tools that you mentioned to me in our planning process is gratitude. Very appropriate for this time of year. I would argue appropriate for all times of year, but especially this time. So tell us a little bit about gratitude. Again, what it is, why it's important, how to practice. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, and, and, and and like gratitude, everyone, I I wonder, I really do wonder if there's like a bit of a collective eye roll because everyone talks about gratitude. So I hope that I can um, bring in some new and interesting viewpoints on it. Um, But research has shown that feeling grateful has so many positive effects on our behavior, which is something that we can control, right? Our thoughts, actions, and behaviors. And it helps us to be just in general, what the research has shown, more honest, um, which is going to make us more likable. Uh, And anytime that we're increasing our social connections through likability, of course, we're not sacrificing our authenticity when I say that, but by practicing gratitude and creating more honesty, then we're going to strengthen our relationships and social connections are so crucial for living a happy, healthy life. Um, We're also going to, it's also shown to enhance our productivity at work, our relationships at home. And I highly recommend um, if any of this is like, oh, I've never heard of that. uh, Check out the research from David Destano. He is, that's where I am grabbing this information from. I'm not going to pretend like it's mine. So I want to give him, um, him, him a shout out there, but it's the, what really caught my mind. And, and that's why I actually integrated the concept of gratitude 
into, um, into my course is because they actually did research based on willpower for protecting your future self, which diet culture will tell you, like, just restrict and just mm-hmm. use your willpower to avoid that food. And what, um, what, you know, what I believe in, Claire, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I, I'm assuming that we're along the same lines that willpower isn't, isn't sustainable and it doesn't work and can be quite damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, but gratitude, so they put gratitude like head to head with willpower to protect our future self. Cause ultimately if we're using willpower, we're trying to, um, get to a goal, right? Like if it's, I want to change my body size, so I'm not going to eat my favorite food. So I'll use willpower to avoid it. Uh, right. That's trying to get to a future self. And so they made willpower and gratitude. They put head to head and gratitude actually won. It was more effective in achieving our future goals, whatever that may be. So if it's health and happiness, gratitude gets us way farther than willpower. That's so interesting. And I'm super happy that you brought that idea of willpower in because, I mean, just looking at the, the context of the time that we're in, like seasonally when this episode is going to air, not that diet culture doesn't talk about willpower all of the time, but add in the holidays, delicious, yummy holiday food. And I mean, I I know a word that I hear being thrown around a lot is uh, just use willpower. Don't eat X, Y, and Z. Avoid this table or this type of food at your Thanksgiving meal. But it kind of sounds like, I mean, and I would 100% agree with what you're saying, that this idea of willpower isn't going to work in the long run. And two, something that I'll add on to this that I have seen anecdotally, at least, I'm sure there's research on this as well, but I can't speak to that. But when willpower runs out, right? Because it was never going to be sustainable in the first place, then comes the cycle of I've done something wrong. I am bad, right? The shame response. And then I am doing something bad. Um, I am engaging in a quote unquote bad behavior. The guilt response, we get kind of trapped up in that cycle as well. So it's very interesting that, um, and not surprising when I hear you kind of lay this out, that the gratitude piece, if we can kind of root into that and, you know, train ourselves to kind of be in that mindset or practice that a little bit more, it's going to be more helpful and more sustainable than the, the willpower perspective. Absolutely. And then we're just, instead of, you know, that guilt and completely missing out on the experience that we're often after when we're consuming a food in the, in, 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 in the first place, we get to fully enjoy ourselves without stealing the quality of that experience when we choose gratitude. So not only do we reach our future goals more effectively and efficiently with gratitude, but uh, whether it, con- it is health or whether it is, uh, you know, it is a role as in a role that, uh, in like a relationship role, whether it's being a mother or something, you know, in, in my case, it's often what my head's filled with, uh-huh. or um, business-wise, whatever it is that you define as success, whatever it is that is your why, you're going to get there more efficiently with gratitude, and you're and more people are going to want to help you because people like you more when you're <laughs> when you're a grateful human being. <laughs> so you have your social connection and your help and your community and your support, which is what we know, you know, help, truly um, transforms someone's quality of life. Yeah, it's kind of like this positive feedback loop that keeps positively fueling itself. And a question that's coming to my mind and could be coming to our listeners' minds as well, when I hear you say, use gratitude, like this is going to be more effective, using gratitude is going to be more helpful. Again, one question that's coming up for me is like, okay, but how? (laughs) Like, you know, I feel like when we're saying something like, use gratitude, practice gratitude. Again, I feel like maybe some people are like you were saying, like, oh, I roll, there they go again. Because I feel like it's just this vague concept that's just thrown out. But if we were to maybe try to make it a little bit more tactical, how might you recommend any ideas you have on the, the how behind that? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And actually it's really important. And I'm going to steal this from Brene Brown. She says that like, because um, she talks about gratitude, I mean, who doesn't, right? But she talks about gratitude and she says like, you know, I own a lot of yoga pants, but that doesn't mean I do yoga. And gratitude is the same way. If we're not actually putting intentional practice um, and we're just kind of thinking, like I have a sign above our door uh, on the way into the house that says, before you enter, 
think of three things you're grateful for. Well, it doesn't mean that that's what we do. I mean, that, that sign's there. That's great. <laughs> it's a great intention to consistently practice gratitude. But most of the time, like my kids are running, I'm carrying in groceries. Like it's chaos. And I'm not actually thinking about those, those, uh, those three things I'm supposed to really stop and think about before I enter my home. So one thing I really think is fun. So before food consumption, um, I think that is one opportunity to be incredibly grateful. And we're going to talk about savoring after this, and that involves the practice of gratitude. So when you practice savoring, you can also practice gratitude. So I'm going to save that for savoring. Um, so stay tuned. But another practice of gratitude, there's two that I have found incredibly, incredibly um, effective, and you will like you will immediately feel your heart just broken open with love and joy and happy. Like you just get this immediate dopamine boost um, when you do either of these. And one is gratitude stickers. So I have, um, you, you could just like buy blank stickers and write on them like, I love you, or I'm grateful for you, or I love you, and find six people to hand them to. Really and truly, I used to, um, so, the, so I send my clients six stickers, and by the end of them working with me, so over the course of generally six months, I ask them to give one sticker to someone at least a month, and it is a heart-opening experience for them to deliver those stickers, and I like that it's, it's kind of a middle ground between, or it's not quite as... Um, it could be a little intimidating as, as the next suggestion that I have. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but those, because you get to kind of decide how much you want to share as to why, uh, why you're doing that act of kindness, which is also an awesome way to boost your happiness. So you get a double boost with that. Uh, but you get to share how much, you know, so if you're, if you're, if you generally identify as someone who doesn't feel really comfortable sharing a lot, uh -huh. um, or it's hard for you to talk about feelings, that would be okay. You could just simply hand them a sticker and there would be an act of kindness and an unsaid connect social connection and a strengthened relationship. And you would literally be practicing gratitude in that moment. So you could easily make those stickers like just by writing on them. Yeah. And I mean, even thinking in our COVID world, you could mail them. To, to yes. you need to get them to like if you don't have six people safely at your immediate disposal, um, the U.S. Postal Service still exists. <laughs> plug, plug, for, <laughs> plug for stamps. Um, yeah. I love that suggestion so much, and you've you piqued my interest when you said a couple of moments ago that maybe that suggestion could feel a little bit less intimidating than your second one. So um, you have both of my ears <laughs> turning towards you. What is your second one? I'm curious. So the second one is a extremely transformational experience, uh, but it's to write a letter and then Zoom call, write a letter of gratitude to someone who's impacted your life. And then um, in, in COVID world, Okay, so ideally you may uh, meet with them, but in COVID world, we're gonna, you could Zoom them or get on the phone with them or FaceTime them and then read them the letter. And they're like, there will be tears, yeah. right? They're, like, there will be tears, but crying is actually a phenomenal way to let your body know that you're safe and it helps to manage stress. <laughs> um, like run towards that discomfort. Some of my clients have called me the queen of discomfort. Uh, so a gratitude letter can be an incredibly transformational practice of gratitude in itself. And then of course, a less, a less, a, a much less intimidating one is um, just to physically write down something you're grateful for every day. So starting just get a blank notebook and create a gratitude journal. That would be another one. I know I'm kind of challenging, challenging everyone right now. It's, yeah. you know, some of these things are even intimidating for me, but they're uncomfortable, but you grow the most with them for sure. And, and I really appreciate with all of those suggestions, I feel like there's a place to start and then maybe there's a place to build to right? You can start with that once a day, writing something down for your eyes and your eyes only, then maybe you build to the stickers, then maybe over time, you might feel ready to kind of share that letter. I 
I love that suggestion. So now that we're talking about gratitude, yeah, we're, we're building up. I don't know if you plan <laughs> these to be in like perfect order, but we're building up to our final topic here that you referenced a couple of moments ago. And you said that you were going to save one piece of gratitude for our final topic, which you call savoring. So tell me about savoring what we got going on here. Savoring is so good. It's, oh, it's so good. Um, savoring is life changing and it's, it's simple to practice if you have, as long as you write, you, you practice essentially finding the opportunity to practice it. So you practice mm-hmm. raising the awareness, creating that, that, um, seeing the opportunity, but basically it combines the actions of meditation and gratitude because there's, it does take some awareness to say, oh, this is the time to step out of my experience and appreciate it, which is what savoring is, and then to appreciate it, which is gratitude. So it really combines meditation and gratitude. But um, that was a bit confusing, so I'm going to redefine it without mm-hmm. talking about meditation and gratitude, which is savoring is stepping outside of an experience, reviewing it, witnessing it, and then taking a moment to really appreciate it. Um, And so when that is an experience where it could be a food experience where you're alone, but to me, it's very different from like a mindful eating experience. So I love that it becomes another tool Mm -hmm. in the tool belt to feel your body, to practice gratitude, which we know is more effective than willpower to be really present with a food without going into that idea of mindful eating, which some people that I've worked with, I were actually like, no, I've done that. I don't even talk to me about it. (laughs) So I know it's great. It's great. Like we've got savoring in our tool. So it's just another option to really be with your body and your food um, and practice gratitude all at once. And you can do it almost immediately. And then you can actually involve another person in that experience if that's comfortable. Okay. So that last thing that you said, uh, I've said it, I think, three or four times throughout this episode. I know I keep saying, this is airing right before Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving. And (laughs) you just said, savoring is something that you can do alone if you so choose. You can involve another person. Of course, my mind immediately goes to how I know and define Thanksgiving to be, and that is delicious food with other people. I don't know what that'll look like this year. We're recording this a couple of weeks out for Thanksgiving. Maybe we'll be with others on Zoom (laughs) Thanksgiving, but tell me a little bit about how, like the how of savoring, whether I'm going to do it alone. Maybe you can kind of put it in the context of the upcoming holiday, if that's something, but um, I'm curious to know the how. Yeah. Okay. So you can do it a couple different ways. You have some options. Um, You can share or think about sharing the experience with someone else. So that's one. And then I'll connect these. Mm -hmm. You can laugh during the experience is actually a form of savoring. Mm -hmm. Um, You can express gratitude during the experience because that means you've literally stepped out, reviewed it and been like, oh my goodness, I'm so grateful I get to do this. I'm so grateful I get to taste this. I'm so grateful that I have access to this, right? Um, You get, I'm so grateful that I'm able to be here and be present with this experience, whatever it is. And then um, you can also allow the experience to really nourish you, meaning we're deliberately out of mind wandering, right? We're deliberately present, which may be um, for a lot of us, it probably looks like a mindful eating experience. So that's another form of, that can be another form of savoring. But with the first three, like a really good example is, um, when I am working with foods that in my previous diet culture days, like as I, you know, I, I think um, as we continue to heal with it, and it can sometimes feel like a lifelong journey with uh, all the social comparisons, social media, billboards, all the things that are we're inundated with. So when I'm like eating ice cream, which was something that, you know, quote unquote, I'm air quoting, verbal quoting here, wasn't allowed in my dieting experience, I'm really careful to savor and really, really careful to enjoy the experience in every, every bite. Um, 
So what that has looked like for me in the past is uh, my son and I will get, or my sons and I will get ice cream and I will intentionally make fart jokes. (laughs) They're three and four and they're boys, right? When I'm eating because we are all laughing so hard because farts are always funny, right? Uh So I purposely incorporated joy through another mechanism into my savoring of the ice cream. And that just, or like we'll purposely, you know, make um, ice cream mustaches and like look at each other and kind of play with the food itself Uh and laugh. And I mean, I'm really blessed in the sense that three and four year olds laugh at everything. So it's really easy (laughs) to laugh. Um, But if you can find a way to bring that laughter into your food experience, you're gonna savor it more. And then um, I'll also make a note to myself to express gratitude to them for sharing the food experience with me. So it'll look like, you know, we're making fart jokes and I'll be like, I am just so grateful that I get to sit with you guys and enjoy this ice cream. Thank you so much. You know, I'll share that with my children. And then I'll often um, like tell my husband after the experience that I was able to share and how much fun we had and about our fart jokes. So you can see in that way, I did all three savoring pieces by sharing the experience after, sharing the experience during, um, laughing, and then also expressing gratitude. And to my husband, I can also tell him how grateful I am to have that ice cream with my sons. Wow. Just when I thought that we had talked about everything, we brought up ice cream and fart jokes, and that's the episode, folks. (laughs) I'm really happy that you connected that with an example because, I mean, this idea of savoring is even new to me. And when you brought it up, my mind immediately went to mindful eating. That's just a tool that I'm a little bit more familiar with. But I see when you offer this example of sharing the experience either during or after or even thinking about that piece of it, incorporating gratitude. I love the laughter piece. And two, you bring it all together with that example. I'm hoping our listeners, I know I am, I'm just sitting here thinking about, maybe we call this mind wandering, but I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, what opportunities am I going to have in my life, especially with the upcoming holidays to take that example and bring it into my daily life at my family, going to have fart jokes at the Thanksgiving table. It's going to be a great time. If they get angry, I'm blaming you, but um, that example is, is really powerful. It's, it's, it is. It even, even something as simple, if, if any people, you know, to listeners who are like, well, who am I going to make fart jokes with, right? Like I, I'm in quarantine or something, even saying out loud, even to no one, oh my God, this is so good, mm-hmm. is going to completely transform your food experience as opposed to like eating it in silence while scrolling on your phone, right? To just even engage with your food and say aloud alone. Oh, wow. Like I love pickles on my cheeseburger. <laughs> They're just so They're good. good. They're coming right? back. <laughs> and then when you hear yourself say that, you are going to laugh a little bit because you're going to think about Claire and Ashley and how weird we are. Like, <laughs> And your day will get a little bit better, but you're also going to be really present with your food and checked into your body. And that is a huge win for mental and physical health. I am so happy. Here's my gratitude. I am so happy that we have connected for this episode and that it's going to air when it's going to air because I cannot think of an episode that I have recorded in recent history. Like I always, with all of my incredible guests, try to have at least a couple of actionable items at the end of our conversation. But you have offered not one, not two, not seven, but like nine (laughs) on each of the topics that we talked about today. So I am really grateful for you being here, for everyone listening. Um, As we kind of wrap our conversation here, I am confident people who are listening are like, where do I find this woman? Where can I learn more from her? So if someone is interested in learning more from you, maybe checking out a course you have or social media in general, where is the best place for them to do that? 
Yeah, so I'm most active on social media. You can find me um, on Facebook. I'm uh, Ashley Holly Nutrition, pretty simple. On Instagram, I'm Ashley Holly dot nutrition. And, um, and then I have a free Facebook group called Craving Courage. But feel free to DM me or message me on Facebook or Instagram if you want to be pointed in that direction. And then I'll be launching a course um, in early December. <laughs> All right. Right in alignment with um, when we're releasing this episode. So hopefully if you're listening to this episode, uh, podience, that's what I call them, podcast audience, in, in real time, you can head over to Ashley's social media, see what she has cooking up over there. But um, Ashley, it has been a pleasure getting to connect with you yet again, although I'm sad it cannot be in person. This will have to work for now. Um, I always do a little sign off here at the end of our episode. I briefed you for this, so we would not be confused, <laughs> but we will sign off for our listeners. Yours truly, Claire and Ashley. And there you have it, my friend. That is our show. Thank you so much again for being here for episode 116 of the Yours Truly podcast with my guest, Ashley Holly. As a final reminder, and I mean final this time because this is the last episode that will air in the month of November, don't forget to leave your ratings and reviews either here on Apple Podcasts or you can take that route via social media that I mentioned earlier in our episode. But any way that you choose to show a little love for the show, leave your ratings, leave your reviews, will get you entered in our Attitude of Gratitude giveaway that I will be announcing the winner for a week from today, next Wednesday, December 2nd. I'm wishing you a wonderful, a safe, and a healthy Thanksgiving, whatever that's going to look like for you and your family this year, if you are choosing to celebrate or however you are choosing to celebrate. And as always, thank you so much for being here and supporting the show. Take care.